Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. I invited struggle into my house by making the choice to begin yet again to work out, to run, because I knew it was time for a change. And for some of us today, spiritually speaking, it's time for a change. For the guy up here on the platform, I know it's time for a change. We're going to talk about something that will be uncomfortable to hear, yes, and it seems so, it'll seem so trivial maybe to you, and, and it, I know it does to me sometimes, but in reality, what we're going to talk about is proof of a very deep spiritual problem. And something that, let me fix this real quick, you fell down off the thing here, pardon me. There we go. And there it is. Got it. <laughs> it fell right out. Um, it's honestly, this message is something that, you know, as a pastor, like, do I even need to talk about this? You know, I mean, is this really going to make a difference? And it's such a common thing that it's almost, you know, it's, it's, you almost wonder if it's an actual problem or if it's just part of life. The issue that we'll talk about today, this next level message, has been disguised by the world and by our flesh and by the enemy as nothing more than a brief moment of frustration or justified annoyance, maybe well-intentioned criticisms, deserved revenge, brutal honesty, many of the things that we can call this. But today's message is simply about next-level attitude. Ooh, you're not going to like this, okay? Next-level attitude. When I say attitude, I mean our spirit, how we carry ourselves, our demeanor, your temperament, your attitude, how you act, how you react, how you respond, your tone of voice in your response, your level of patience. And I know we've talked about next-level patience, and that was a whole different topic. This is going to kind of hone in on that. The amount of grace that you show in everyday occurrences. We're talking about our attitude. In those actions, in reactions, in our tone of voice, in our level of patience, and the amount of grace that we have in everyday situations, are we showing Christ in those areas? Are we showing that Jesus lives in us in those areas? Do we have the heart of Jesus? Do we have the attitude of Jesus in our everyday lives. The scriptures say in Psalm 19 and verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, what I'm thinking, how I'm acting, my attitude, the meditation, what I'm thinking about and, and acting upon, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now most of this message, if not all of this message, comes from what Christ has done and shown me in my life and what he's continuing to do in my life. Because the truth is, church, I have been and can still be sometimes a real hypocrite. I can be a real hypocrite. People say, well, I don't go to church because of hypocrites. Well, man, then you'll never find any church because we all say we want to do one thing and then unfortunately do the other when we just give into the flesh. I claim Christ. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I'm a pastor called of God to preach. And I claim that I love him and I serve him and I honor him in what I do and what I say. That's my goal as a Christian. And, and I mean it when I say it, but I often, I've held grudges. 
I used to happily, easily call people out to their faces. I had no problem going to someone and talking to someone because I felt like I had this authority as a youth pastor. And, and I would happily call people out, calling it tough love or, you know, honesty, necessary honesty, when really all it was was self-righteous judgment. But I call it something else. This is all very humbling and often when I think about situations in my life, in my past, where I have given in to pride and self-righteousness, it turns my stomach because I'm like, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I thought that. Situations as, as I prepare this message and as I think about it will come to my mind when I allowed my spirit, my attitude to go sour and I acted in pride towards someone, maybe my wife. Maybe my children, uh, a friend, and I would begin to wonder, I'd begin to wonder, like, how did I ever let myself get that way? How did I think it was okay to act that way? And, and I've mentioned many times in my testimony of God rescuing me from me uh, a few years back of just turning me upside down my head and saying, man, you, you, you're, 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 messed, you're messed up, man. You're, you're missing the point here. And God began to work in my life, and he slapped me upside the head and does so each and every day. So this morning, as we're talking about next level attitude, I want to give you some perspective on this. So I'm going to ask a few questions that I want you to answer in your heart with some examples of our attitude in everyday things that it's easy to just kind of brush aside and not think about. Are you showing Christ when someone cuts you off on 28, so you speed up past them and give them a dirty look because they're an idiot? Are we showing Christ when we do that? And I hope that it's only a dirty look <laughs> and nothing else. Are you, are you showing Jesus when your spouse makes a comment about something stupid that you did, because maybe you did do something stupid, and you get incredibly defensive and start bringing up all of their flaws and problems? Are you showing Jesus when you respond that way? Are you a conduit of the grace of God when someone at work messes something up you get part of the blame, even if it wasn't your fault. So you go and talk to the other co-workers uh, badly about how much of a dummy that guy is whose fault it was. Are you showing the grace of God? Are you showing your children Jesus when you react impatiently to their constant questions or immature decisions? Are we showing them Jesus? Are you showing Christ? And I know I, get, I harp on this a lot, but it's important to think about. Are you showing Christ when you refuse to make eye contact with the homeless man standing in the media and holding a sign? Does your mind immediately go to thoughts like, well, he probably is a liar. He's probably not really homeless. Just go get a job. He's probably, gonna just, he's probably just an addict or a drunk. Sounds a lot like the Pharisee in Luke 18. Are we showing Christ when we live that way? Here's the thing, church. We all have... More than likely, that one family member that we really don't want to be around at the family reunion, at the family get-together at Thanksgiving, you're like, uh, you don't really talk to them during the year, you unfollow them on Facebook, or you snooze them like 30 different times, like every time, and you're just like, I don't want to be around them, they may even know that you can't stand them, uh, but we don't want to talk to them, but we'll gladly talk to the rest of the family about that person. Is that showing Christ in our attitude, in our spirit? This, the reason why this message is uncomfortable is because it's every single one of us. It's all of us. We all struggle with this. Maybe you're more of an easygoing person and it's not as much, but you still will be faced with these situations every day. 
where something is going to get under your skin. Why do we get so easily annoyed at things that barely affect our lives? Really? Like a messed up coffee order. I remember I was at Dunkin' uh, a few, um, during the summer, so it was extremely busy, the one right on 28, right by the church, really, up by the water park. And um, there was a big line, and there was uh, a young man that I, I remember, I was, I was like, oh, there's only one guy in front of me. This is great. Like, I'm, I'm going to be able to get my coffee and, and donut in just a minute. And it was just this one single guy. And he goes up to the counter, and he takes out his phone, and I see you know, uh, from afar, a, just a long note in his phone of all this gigantic order he has. And I was like, okay, he's probably, they're probably on vacation. Somebody probably sent this guy out, you know, to get the coffee order and like, go do it. And he was a very quiet and sheepish young man. Just was. He was very quiet. You could tell he was super nervous. And every coffee, and this, is, this isn't Starbucks. This isn't like, you know, Three Fins Coffee. Some, this is Dunkin'. And they're like, Trying to make these fancy coffees, like two pumps of three, this and then the chai tea. And I'm like, this is Dunkin'. Get a coffee, man, with cream and sugar. Like, come on, dude. And it was like four different bread. I want a croissant with egg, but no cheese, but half a slice of sausage. I'm like, okay. And I, honestly, I will say, in the moment, by the grace of God, I was like, this poor guy. And I think the reason why I didn't care as much was because there was about five people behind me that were visibly and vocally annoyed. Well, then this poor guy finishes this long order. It's like a $70 order. It was huge. And what was going to be like a two-minute in and out suddenly was like, okay. And she said, that'll be 72, da-da-da-da. And he takes, and he kind of feels around. He goes, um, oh, uh, I just, I, uh, and he ran out. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I'm like, maybe he forgot it in his car. No, this guy forgot it at home, man. This guy was going to show back up at the vacation rental and probably get yelled at because, but they didn't know what to do. So everybody, now there's nobody at the counter. There's a gigantic order on the screen and everybody's just kind of waiting. And again, by the grace of God, in that moment, I was like, but the people behind me, to hear the things they were saying, how frustrated and angry that they were. It convicted me about other times that I've been that way. You know, I said hazelnut swirl, not hazelnut shocked fix it. You know, I've thought about not convicting me, but in that moment, people, why do we get so easily annoyed at things that barely affect our lives? Someone doesn't, someone in front of us doesn't see the light turn green. And we're like, come on, man. A passive aggressive comment from a family member that we rarely see, like just, why do we get so angry over trivial things? Your spouse forgets something at the store that you asked them to grab five times. And you get mad about it. You, your boss picks somebody else over you for a job that you think you can do better. And maybe you even can do it better. Uh, your spot in line is taken. Uh, the traffic is backed up on your way to work. And we just lose our cool. I, I'm telling you, traffic is one of my biggest weaknesses. That's my wife. It is something I have to literally, in the moment, pray. Say, Lord, give me grace because I'm like getting super annoyed right now that, I'm, that I can't get to where I'm going. I have, I'm a schedule kind of guy. I want to get where I'm going. The map says we're going to get there at 332 and I keep seeing the, the time creep up minute by minute and I'm getting, and I have to pray. Say, God, give me grace because I'm getting frustrated here. Why are we so impatient? Why do we want people to know when we're upset so that they don't do that thing again? Often we want people to know, like, I'm annoyed right now at you for that. You should not have done that. Why do we take things so personally? Why do we allow the words, actions, and even the posture of people affect our attitudes and in some cases ruin our day? Some of us are the kind of people that something happens and it throws us off for the day. 
We got to go to bed and wake up just to reset. The truth is, church, we are suffering from a spiritual identity crisis. In those moments of frustration, annoyance, anger, impatience, we have suddenly in that moment shifted our thinking, shifted our hearts. We have gone from seeking to glorify God in all that we do to now glorify ourselves. We're seeking to glorify ourselves. It is no longer, in those moments of annoyance and frustration, it is no longer about Christ in me, the hope of glory, as the scriptures say, it is now just about me. Not me not being comfortable. Me uh, not being appreciated. Me not being noticed or not being preferred. Me not being able to get to where I want to go when I want to get there. I understand the scripture does talk in Ephesians 4 about a righteous anger. It says, be ye angry and sin not. It commands us to be angry. And some of us take that like, oh, good. The Bible says, I want to obey the Bible. It says to be angry, and we forget the other half that says, be angry and sin not. But that is being angry. That anger in the Bible is talking about being anger, angry over the laws of God being broken. Not your laws being broken or my laws being broken. People like to often say, I remember talking to someone about, their attitude in, in, in grace, too. I wasn't calling them out. I said, hey, you know, and they said, well, you know, Jesus in the New Testament, the Bible says that he turned over the tables. He, he went into the temple and flipped the tables in, in anger, and, and man, he started chasing them out with a reed. And, and people say that, and they compare themselves getting mad about something trivial to Jesus, the Son of God, who was God, in the temple, the house of God, where people were selling and, and really overselling. Really? You can't say that. I can't, we can't say that. Anger? <laughs> this is hard for me to even say out loud. <laughs> Anger over traffic is sin. <laughs> Ouch, Donald, it hurt. Plain and simple. Anger. Anger. Listen, if there's a concern like, oh, I really I need to get there. That's, I'm not talking about like, you shouldn't be like, I love traffic. This is great. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about me getting actually like, and taking it out of my wife and children in the back seat. Anger over traffic is sin. Anger over your spouse for getting something is sin. Anger over your coffee being made wrong is sin. Well, I'm not angry. I'm just annoyed. Well, annoyance Frustration is mild anger. <laughs> it goes hand in hand, guys. These minor moments of frustration are actually more major than you realize or than we'd like to admit. Each time we get annoyed, frustrated, ticked off at something, our spirits change. Now, we talk about, we haven't, but maybe that's a good series to jump on next, um, but the scriptures talk about in the book of uh, um, Philippians, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, what God does in us when we rely on the Spirit, when we walk in the Spirit, there's love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Little known fact, annoyance is not a fruit of the Spirit. It is not something that God bestows upon us as a child of God. Believers, as believers, as children of God, Paul says in Galatians 2.20, and the Scripture's on the screen, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. At the point of salvation, when we trust Christ with our eternity and with our life and with our heart and with our soul, the righteousness of Christ, the Bible says, was placed upon us. When God looks at me, he doesn't see all the good things that I can do on my own. 
He doesn't see those filthy rags. The Bible calls our righteousnesses personally as filthy rags. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ when he looks at you and looks at me as children of God. We talked last week, I mentioned the next level power. When in 2 Peter 1, when it says that according, uh, we are given divine power through Jesus Christ and his work in the gospel, we are given divine power for all things that have to do with life and living godly and living right. He gives us everything. We can be who God wants us to be because of Christ, because of grace, because of who he is. We can live right. We can live like Jesus. So because of that truth, when we make the choice to get frustrated or get impatient or get angry or hold a grudge or fill in the blank, we are not living the life God wants us to live. We are not allowing Christ to live in us and live through us. Those things, impatience, anger, frustration, these things, they go against the character of Christ. You don't see Jesus in the scriptures getting impatient and lashing out at his disciples. You don't see Jesus holding a grudge. You don't see Jesus getting mildly annoyed because the disciples are walking too slow. You don't see that. A spirit-filled life and unforgiveness don't go together. A spirit-filled life and selfish anger don't go together. A spirit-filled life and impatience don't go together. When we are filled with the Spirit of God, I don't mean that we're... Listen, we're, you can be saved and be impatient. I'm not saying... Because that's me every day almost, it seems, sometimes. But I'm talking about living in the Spirit of God, being filled, our cup being full and overflowing with the grace of God and living in that grace and allowing Him to change us and make adjustments where needed and chip off things that we shouldn't have. I'm talking about living a spirit-filled life. It doesn't go with these things like unforgiveness and anger and, and impatience. Every act of righteousness in your life. Every good work that you are able to do in your life, the moments of grace, the moments of patience, the moments of uh, peace, and the moments of forgiveness, we don't get to take credit for those. That's the goodness of God and the grace of God in us. That's okay, by the way. I'm okay being like, I'm on my own strength and ability. I'm going to be impatient, be a jerk, and be this and that. But because Jesus lives in me, I can live in grace. I can show grace. I can practice forgiveness. I can practice patience when I allow Jesus to live through me. That's Christ living in us. That's his grace being poured over us. That's like 2 Peter 1 last week. That's that power in me allowing me and giving me the opportunity to do what he would do in that situation, to live like Jesus would live, to rest in that grace. Those moments of patience and grace that you'll have when you rest in Christ Put the grace and love of Jesus on full display. Now, the other moments, which seem probably more frequent, the other moments of criticism, annoyance, unforgiveness, anger, that's on us. That's on us. Those moments come when we decide to forget who we are in Christ. We forget who we are in Christ. We forget the life that we're called to. We convince ourselves that we deserve justice. That we deserve to be heard. That where we have to get to, where we have to get to is more important than the guy in the Prius has to get to. What I need, what I want, is more important. Pride is directly linked to anger. 
Pride is connected to impatience. It's me, me, what I want, what I desire. My laws are being broken. You're not doing what I want you to do, and that bothers me, and I'm going to tell you about it. We've gotten so used to this way of life. It's so natural for us to let the flesh rule and pretend it's not as bad as it actually is. Things like, oh, it's just part of life. Oh, just that, that, that stuff happens. That those moments of annoyance in line at the grocery store are not a big deal. That it's okay when we cut someone off in frustration because everybody else does it. That just because I told off my brother or my sister or my parent or whatever, just because I told off my family doesn't mean I'm a bad person. He just needed to hear it, so I let him have it. God help us. We are defaming the name of Christ. We just are. We've all done it, and we're probably all still doing it. It's usually not the big things that get us, by the way. It's the little commonplace everyday occurrences where we fall short. Last year, we needed a place to live. And I'm not saying that the whole time I had peace and joy about it, but I will say the Lord was very gracious to us in when we had nothing, when we didn't know what was going to happen, he would give a strange peace. And there were times as a husband and wife and as a family, we just decided we're going to trust the Lord. He's going to take care of us. Those big moments of like, where are we going to live? Where are we going to, we have to be out of this rental soon. And we trusted God. But then my kid spills his cereal and I lose it. You got to be more careful. Come on. We got to go leave for school in a minute. Come on, man. You know better than that. My wife disagrees with me on one on something in a conversation and I get all upset and defensive. How dare you not think the same way that I think about everything? This, that's not the way it's supposed to be, I thought. That's not Christ. That's not Christ. We are called to live with next level attitude, with the next level spirit. Listen, a life full of easy annoyance, constant impatience, and defensive anger is a life that is not led by the Spirit of God. Can I say that again? Hear it. Listen to it. Hold it in your heart. A life full of easy annoyance, constant impatience, and defensive anger is a life that is not led by the Spirit of God. So what can we do? What can we do? I don't, I'll say, I don't want to live like that. I feel by the grace of God, we're supposed to grow, right? We talked about next level growth a few weeks ago. I do feel by the grace of God that I'm a little further along than I used to be. My wife nodded, so that's a good sign, right? <laughs> and amen. Because I know how much of a jerk I was and how impatient I was and how much I thought of myself, that everything I thought was right. I, but I, want, I, I know, I know even from this morning, guys, Situations happened this morning when I could feel myself starting to get annoyed. I'm like, I said, Marissa, I'm preaching on my attitude, next little attitude this morning, and I have a bad attitude right now. <laughs> I said, what is, what is happening? Listen, you know, one of my pastors, you know, sometimes get, ah, because it's just like, man, I don't, I don't know what to, oh, I can't believe this. I know. I'm literally preaching on this, and I'm struggling this morning even with that, because that's the enemy. That's what happens. What can we do, though? Well, let's look at the scriptures, okay? We're talking about next level attitude. Let me, let me turn there. The scriptures um, won't be on the screen because I'm reading a lot. So I'm just going to read it, and I want you to listen, okay? Listen the best you can. Galatians chapter 5, okay? We're talking about how can I live right? How can I live with patience? How can I live without getting so easily annoyed all the time at literally everything? Galatians 5, verse 16 
Paul says, this I say then. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust or desires of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Which means they're always in, there's always a tension there. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. You, don't, you often don't do the things that you know you're supposed to do. That's the spirit, the, 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 the Jesus in you, fighting against the flesh, the, the, the wickedness in me, my flesh, my selfishness, my pride. They're at war with each other all the time. And the scriptures say, walk in the spirit, walk with Jesus. Walk, listen, lean on him and his grace, and you won't fulfill, you won't do the things that your flesh wants to do. It goes on uh, in, verse number, uh, uh, in verse number 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. And then in verse 19, 20, and 21, it talks about all these wicked things that you will do living in the flesh. You know, envyings and strife and adultery and, and witchcraft and all these, all these things. We don't have to get into those at all right now. But then it's in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, when you walk in the Spirit, when you lean on Jesus, when you rest in Him, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. Uh, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. When we're saved, man, that, that sin, that, the power of sin over us has been nailed to the cross. We don't have to live that way anymore. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. In chapter 6 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, if he gets caught doing something stupid, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Listen, listen. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the, his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And verse 9 and 10 is where I want to hone in on as we finish up this morning. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. In all those scriptures, it begins, yes, walk in the Spirit. You won't do the things that you shouldn't be doing. But then as you get through the end of chapter 5 and into chapter 6, if you can think about what was just read, the focus shifts from me to a life that is concerned with others. And I don't mean others like, what are they doing? I mean, how can I help someone else? A life concerned with others. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men. That's the heart of Christ. 
That is the mind of Christ. In Philippians 2, the scriptures are on the screen, says that, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others, also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. What mind? The mind of service, the mind of love, the mind of putting someone else above yourself. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus, everything he did was for others. He died for the world. So how can I make this change? How can I show Jesus? How can I have next level attitude in my life? The attitude of Christ. How can I fix this? And, and we're going to breeze through these quickly. First of all, you've got to recognize that it's a problem. You've got to recognize that it's a problem. Listen, if you're sitting there today and you're listening, or maybe you're online listening, and, and you're thinking about somebody else, like, man, they, I wish they could hear this message. I wish so-and-so. I wish my husband could hear this message. I wish my wife could hear this message. I wish my... If you're thinking that, this message is for you. <laughs> this message is for you. If you're listening today and you're getting annoyed at me, this message is for you. Truth is, church, we've said it a billion times, we're broken people in a fallen world. Bottom line, look around you. It's a tough place to live sometimes. We are broken people in a fallen world and we need Christ to make it. We need Jesus to make it. That's the bottom line. Recognize that it's a problem. Admit, man, I do get impatient. I do hold a grudge. I do fill in the blank. I, I recognize But then also consistently check your motives behind your reactions. Consistently check your motives behind your reactions. In the book of Jonah, in the Old Testament, Jonah and the whale, remember Jonah and the whale? He got swallowed by the whale because he was running from God. The whale, he prays and says, God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. The whale pukes him out on the shore. He goes to Nineveh. He preaches what God wants him to preach. The people repent. Now, God had, was going to destroy Nineveh, and Jonah did not like the Ninevites. There was a lot of uh, um, racist in bigotry in, in those biblical times against those people, the Ninevites. And the Ninevites weren't great people, but they were, they were murderous people. But God was going to destroy them. And Noah was kind of happy about it. Well, then when they repented and said, you know, we're wrong. We, we, we follow God now. Jonah still thought God was going to destroy them anyway. And then God said, no, God says that God forgave them and turned his heart. And, and, was, and Jonah was mad about it. Jonah, the Bible says he was angry. He sat up on a hill watching the city of Nineveh, waiting for God to destroy it, and then realized God wasn't going to destroy it, and he got all pouty about it and all angry about it, and he was mad that God forgave and showed grace to somebody else. And God asked Jonah in the scriptures, doest thou well to be angry? Like, do, do you really have a good reason to be angry? Jonah's motives were wrong. He was angry that God showed mercy to Nineveh. He did not have a good reason to be angry. There was not righteous anger in Jonah. No, he was being selfish and prideful and arrogant. Now, when you get frustrated, which you will, when you grow impatient, which you will, in those moments when it begins, train yourself, create a habit in yourself that says, why am I reacting this way? Slow yourself down and say, why? I did this morning with Charlie. Charlie was supposed to get dressed for church, keep him all his clothes, and he would come every five minutes later with one article on. Pajama pants and his church shirt. Charlie, go finish getting changed. 
And then he's kind of mopey in the morning sometimes. He's been playing football. He's been tired. Comes back. He's got his jacket and his shirt on, pajama pants. I'm like, Charlie, dressed. Finally comes. Got his pants on. Can you tie my pants? Like, yes, yeah, sure, It's like 10 minutes before we're leaving. Like, we're like rushing to go. He goes, I'm like, okay, go brush your teeth. But I was going to eat, I was going to eat breakfast. I said, and I'll tell you, be honest. I got impatient. I got frustrated because I had told him a couple times. I said, Charlie, I told you to get dressed 25 minutes ago. You didn't get dressed. Okay, you can't do whatever you want. And I start, you know, channeling my inner, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, like, hey, eight-year-old child, you should know how to act like an adult and make smart decisions. And I said, but no, 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 no. How about you're not having cereal? We don't want any milk left anyway. You're, you're, oh, can I have a waffle? There's no waffles. You're gonna have a pancake. Blah, blah, blah. And I start warming it up. And the Lord convicted me. Said, Hey, remember you preaching on like next level attitude today? And like kind of practicing and showing grace and da 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 da. And I'm like, Hey, Charlie, come here, buddy. <laughs> I said, Charlie, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry that I reacted that way. I said, I, 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 you need to get changed when I ask, and that helps me. I said, but I shouldn't have responded that way. Um, it's okay. I love you. I love you, and I'm sorry. And they're always so gracious. But I had to stop in that moment and be like, what are you doing, Donald? Really? Really? We left on time, by the way. In those moments of frustration, when you get frustrated, at the beginning, begin training yourself. Say, why am I reacting this way? More often than not, more often than not, the answer will show you how selfish you are being, how prideful you are, and how much you need the grace of Christ to rule in your life. More often than not, you'll realize, okay, I'm, I'm struggling right now. Here's the thought. Selfish motives produce sinful reactions. Selfish motives produce sinful reactions. I was like, you didn't do what I told you to do. We're supposed to be leaving soon. Da -da -da -da. We're going to be late. Da -da -da. And, and I, selfish motives produce sinful reactions every time, every time. So we have to be on guard and consistently check our motives behind our responses and reactions in moments of frustration. And lastly this, always rest in Christ and his power. Always rest in Christ and his power. You can go through life trying to be a good person. You can. But you won't get very far. And believe me, I've tried that. I've tried to do it on my own. As a Christian, by the way, someone who trusted Christ, I've tried to just... Do it myself. I can do it. In your own abilities and strength, you will always come up short. In your own strength, abilities, morality, you will come up short. You can't do it on your own. Here's a painful truth. All those situations that can cause impatience and frustration and anger, guess what? They're not going anywhere. They're going to be there today, tomorrow, next week, next year. Someone's going to cut you off. So, uh, your boss is going to be a jerk. You're going to lose your debit card or your keys. So when those situations come, those situations that can cause frustration and impatience and anger and blaming and holding grudges and, and, and being bitter, when those moments come, realize that even in those trivial moments that we just made, like, oh, I lost my keys. Those moments, that really, they're not the big things in life. They're, they're little everyday moments. When those moments come that can cause frustration and anger, remember, church, and realize God gives grace for the little moments, too. We talk about grace through 
trials. We talk about grace through heartache. We talk about God giving grace in those dark midnights of life. And guess what? God is big enough and has enough grace, not just for those big moments, but for every moment of your life. For every annoying and frustrating moment, God has grace for you. For you. He has grace for each one of us. You don't have to get annoyed. And really, you for sure don't have to stay annoyed. If in the moment you start to, you can, you can reel it in by the grace of God. You really think God wants you to be frustrated and live frustrated? You really think God wants you to live impatient or that he's okay with that? Listen, the enemy's no dummy. The devil's no dummy. He will use those seemingly meaningless moments of frustration and anger to promote a sense of self-righteousness in us, in your heart. Like the world and everybody owes us their attention, their time, and, and, and needs to get back in line and do what I say. He will use those moments in our lives to get us to think that way. That is not resting in Christ. Jesus is peace. Jesus is grace. Jesus is our rescue church. He is our rescue from ourselves. He's our rescue from our anger. He's our rescue from our ungratefulness, from our annoyance. The scripture said it. Remember our first scripture. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, the things I say, the things I think, the way I act, let them be acceptable in thy sight. But then look how it finishes. Oh, Lord, my strength. It, it's him that allows us to have that acceptable words and, and thoughts. My strength, my redeemer. As we rest in him, as we rest in his power and lean into it, his love shines through us. His grace shines through us, and we live in grace. We act in grace and patience and in goodness. And little by little, he begins to redeem us. Make us more like him. The scriptures say in Romans 8, 29, we're predestined to become, to become conformed to the image of his son. We are meant to be more like Jesus each and every day when we, when we rest in his grace. Listen, we know, we show who we really are. The real us. We show who we really are and who we really trust. Not in the once a year rare moments, but in the everyday mundane moments. That's the real you, and that's the real me. Thank God one day all of this struggle will cease. Peace forevermore. There won't be any annoying circumstances. There sure won't be any big, big trials, but even those little moments of frustration that come to us every day, listen, it's going to be gone. There'll be no more anger or annoyance or stress, no more temptation, no reason for worry or impatience. But until then, until that day, church, today, tomorrow, and in your life, have a next-level attitude. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. 
I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.